Hey, Rewatchers! Welcome to another episode of the Highlander Rewatch Podcast. And we have a very special treat for you this week. We've been given permission to release the famed Adrian tapes, which were produced in 1995 and 1996 for the Highlander catalog. So, what are these Adrian tapes? In a lot of ways, these are almost like DVD commentary tracks before there were DVDs. This is a really cool supplemental material to go alongside the TV show. And it's really cool that Davis Panzer produced these with Adrian. I've actually personally never seen anything quite like this done for a TV show. And I think it's a really unique behind-the-scenes look that they were able to give the fans in 1995. This week, we're going to be featuring Side B off the very first Adrian tape entitled Ad-Libs. And it features what the process of ad-libbing contributed to the show. Also, for our younger listeners who might not know what a cassette tape is, <laughs> cassette tapes are a magnetically coded tape that you would put in a cassette player, uh, kind of like a VHS tape, and you would play uh, usually music through them. Uh, these are It's a pretty old technology. I think it was invented in like the 20s, but became popular for music in the late 60s. Anyway, what we've done here at Highlander Rewatched is we were graciously given these tapes by one of our awesome fans. And over the past uh, couple months, we've remastered these tapes. For those of you that remember playing cassette tapes, they are kind of a tricky piece of media. Sometimes tape players would eat the tape or chew the tape, it would be called, where the tape would get wrinkled um, and cause kind of audio disruptions. Um, also, because of this technology, the speeds of tapes varied drastically. So even in these tapes, if Adrian decided to record on one cassette player, that might be playing at one speed. Then he would do another segment, maybe in the studio, and that cassette player would be playing at a different speed. And this causes, of course, issues with timing, and it causes issues with even the pitch of the vocal or music tracks. So here at Highlander Rewatch, we've been working tirelessly to clean up these tapes and bring them into the 21st century. For a lot of you out there, this might be your very first Highlander Rewatch podcast you listen to because maybe you've been intrigued by the Adrian tapes. Welcome to the podcast. For those of you who don't know what we do on this podcast, I, along with my two co-hosts, Kyle and Eamon, take an in-depth look at every facet of Highlander and discuss it in detail every single week. So that ranges from the TV show to the movies to the books, comics, and things like the Adrian tapes. Uh, usually we try to provide a humorous spin on our favorite 90s nostalgia show, while also talking about how our opinions of the show has changed and what the commentary and moral questions of the show might be. We also encourage everyone to head on over to the Highlander Rewatched Facebook store or Etsy store, just search Highlander Rewatched on Etsy, and pick up a set of our awesome Highlander collectible magnet set, which features the characters from the show that you love. We've got Duncan, Amanda, Joe, Mythos, and a very cool Scottish Highlands warrior Duncan. All proceeds from those magnets go to making this podcast bigger and better and bringing you more and more free Highlander content each and every week. Also, we want to give a big shout out and thanks to the man himself, Adrian Paul. If you'd like to support Adrian's current efforts, make sure to head on over to the Peace Fund and donate to the Peace Fund today. And Peace stands for Protect, Educate, Aid, Children Every Day. And the work Adrian's doing there is really fantastic, and you should donate to it. Also, if you'd like to do something more fun with Adrian Paul, make sure to head on over to thesortexperience.com and sign up for one of his many 
awesome sword experiences. Rewatcher Kyle and I recently did the sword experience at the Highlander Worldwide Gathering in Los Angeles, and it was fantastic. So check the website, and if the sword experience is coming to your town, sign up today. It's worth it, and it's quite a workout, too. Once again, this week we are featuring Tape 1 Side B, AdLibs, in which Adrian Paul reminisces and reflects on how AdLibbing contributed to the filming of Highlander the Series. And we are going to be featuring the Adrian Tapes every few weeks on our podcast. So stay tuned for the entire six cassette set. So without further ado, we present the Adrian Tapes. Tape one, side B, ad libs. I'm Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. And I am Connor McLeod. Same clan, different vintage. That may have seemed like a line to you in the show, but in actual fact, it was an idea Stan had because he'd seen myself as Duncan and Christopher Lambert as Connor doing those two lines, and he thought they were quite funny to do. But the poignant thing about that particular moment that he had in the scene where he did those lines was I was watching him and it was the first time that McLeod watched Richie and realized that for myself and for the audience that this was the first time Richie had a sword in his hand and it was an indication of what things were to come when he was going to become an immortal. Ad libbing was something that Stan and I did from the very beginning. Actually, after the very first show, there was... um, One of the producers came up to us and said, you know, we love the ad-libs, but can you stick to the script? Well, no, I don't think so. If you'd like them in the first place, why tell us to stick to the script? I think uh, there were some great lines in Highlander in the first year where um, we didn't stick to the script and and they were left in because they were very natural. In the very first show in The Gathering where um, Connor knocks uh, McLeod out, that scene was actually made up by um, Chris Lambert and... Bill Panzer and myself, because we needed a little bit more camaraderie between the guys. But while we were doing the scene, Chris sort of turned around during the scene and said, you know, I was thinking, and suddenly I got this idea of him thinking, and it made me laugh. And he looked at me and he went, why are you laughing? Because I'm thinking? And I said, yeah. And it was just something very natural that happened, and they kept it in, and it was very, you know, it was very much part of the characters. You know, I've been thinking. Or are you smiling? Because I've been thinking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, anyway, as long as I can remember knowing you. Now, ad come in many forms. The most common, obviously, is a spoken word. But an ad-lib can also come in the form of an action. The one that really caught me unawares was in Seawitch, when I was working with Stephen Mutt, who played Alexei Voshin. We were doing the flashback scene where the characters met for the first time in a long while. Now, unbeknownst to me, Stephen had talked with Tom Wright, the director, and had said to him that when Russian men greet each other, they kiss on the lips. Tom thought this was a great idea and wanted to capture my reaction on film, so he didn't tell me. Well, the first take, Stephen couldn't summon up enough courage to do it, but Tom insisted he should on the second take. The look you see on my face was priceless. Even when we got to the close-ups, it was still very easy for me to have a look of astonishment, which gave the scene a little comedy. Oh, you are old friends. Let's say we know each other for ages. It was never written that these two men kissed each other. It just came out of an impulse that Stephen had, an impulse that was an ad-lib. Now, there were other times in the show that there were certain lines or situations that caused me as an actor to reflect on what my character needed or who he was. 
In the episode See No Evil at the end of the show, Tess is saying goodbye to her friend, and Mac comes in and tries to console her. You okay? Sure. I just keep seeing him in front of me as I... You did what you had to. <laughs> I thought... I thought winning the world of evil would feel better than this. I know. I know. Suddenly I found a part of McLeod and found part of his character when I said that particular line. And that sort of made me reflect as a character and think, okay, I understand what he's going through now. He's actually having to have the dilemma of ridding evil, but it doesn't feel good killing. It's hard to kill someone whose path and ideals have changed along the way and who originally was a friend. I'd never thought of it before. The line in Family Tree where Max sees his father after he's banished from the clan. There's a, another moment that we ad-libbed as such was when I said, where do I come from? Originally it was scripted that I say the line just once, but the feeling of abandonment from my father made me repeat the line. As I chased him up the dirt path, another adlet happened, which is a line that has now been immortalized through the series. That was something that came out of a feeling, and I think sometimes feelings give you more of an insight into who a character is and why he exists. I think the biggest culprit, though, of ad-libbing was Stan. He can go through a show quite often and ad-lib entire scenes. He's quite infamous for doing that. But his way of acting works well for him when he's being natural. I remember in Nowhere to Run, the ad-libbing we did inside the chateau was necessary because the script hadn't taken into account the location we would be shooting in. Boil as much oil as you can. Alan, this will need strengthening. Have you finished yet? Okay, I need your help in the back room to barricade it. Start over there. Richie? Yeah. Need a hand. That back window. Pile as many boxes up against it as you can. Here we used a mixture of scripted lines and lines that were necessary to coincide with our actions. This was a great example of a collaboration of script and ad-libs working well with each other. Something that always makes me smile when I see the episode was in The Hunters in the scene where Roger Daltrey's character Fitzgerald was being led away to be executed. An action here caused an ad-lib from Roger that made me laugh because I knew it wasn't scripted. They'd given the job of unchaining him to two extras, and they were having a difficult time unlocking his chains. Ah, come to play some more, huh? Oh, it's about time you good fellows came to your senses. I'm sure we can come to some amicable arrangement. Take it to your master. If you can get the fuck off. <laughs> And don't be so aggressive. <laughs>
this was just the way Roger was. And he built his character around these little ad-libs. The writers obviously loved it because in a later script, they developed his character around them. Another instance that set up Mac's character and the character of the Highlander was the idea of playing chess. This wasn't scripted in the first place, and this came out of an idea I had for the character between Xavier and McLeod in For Tomorrow We Die. I saw that the battle between them was like a chess game, and I figured that every move that Xavier made, Mac had a counter, and every move that Mac made, Xavier had a counter, so they were, throughout the show, if you watch, each scene, after each scene, there's a chess move, so that their whole game, if you like, was a chess game, and after that, it suddenly became instilled in the whole thing. Chess became a, a very important part of McLeod's character. It even turned up with McLeod playing with Darius, playing chess, even Tessa and Richie playing chess in the eye of the beholder. And a little behind-the-scenes story here, in actuality, if you look closely in uh, Avenging Angel, the chess set that's on the table on Elaine's apartment was my personal chess set that they needed to borrow because they thought it would look good in the scene. But again, this was one of the best examples of using an idea that we created to create other poignant moments. The writers were able to take chess and use it later in The Hunters where Mac was going back to Darius's rectory after he'd been killed and use it as a remembrance of their camaraderie, their, the relationship that they shared and the times that they spent as warriors on the battlefield, if you like, of chess. As I've mentioned, ad-libs usually are thought of as words and as actions. But ad-libs can also happen when somebody has an idea of how to shoot something to create a certain effect. In The Beast Below, when Ursa was attacking McLeod in the final fight and his side was sliding down the roof, Bob Anderson came up with a great idea. He thought it would be a great shot to see the scythe honing down on McLeod. Well, since the cameraman wasn't quite sure what he wanted, Bob did it himself. And since he did it himself, and we were rushed for time, if you look very closely, you'll see two white shoes at the edge of frame. Those are Bob's, and nobody else's. Now, I think the most fun I had in the first shoot with somebody who was spontaneous and off the wall, if you like, was in free fall with Joan Jett. Joan was uh, relatively new to the process of acting, I think, but uh, she was very strong-minded. But I liked her immensely because she was very gung-ho in everything that she wanted to do. She was determined from the moment she got on set to do a good job. But sometimes I think when you become concerned with doing that, you can get a little tense with moments. And the first day on set was no exception. She came on set, I remember, and she did a scene. And most times when an actor forgets a line, you look at the script supervisor and you say to them, you know, oh, what line was it? I forgot. Oh, dear, I have to remember to do that again better. Well, Joan came in and when the shot was cut, she forgot her line. The shot was cut. She started cussing and swearing how crass and idiotic she'd been for having forgotten the line and scared everybody to death. She was quite forceful in the way she said it. I can't exactly repeat what she said, but... The best moment, however, came when she uh, was with us in the scene with Tessa after Richie had left the room. I was doing a close-up with Joan, and Joan, you know, as I said before, would ask for lines, and in theatre, usually when you ask for a line, you say, line off camera. 
Well, I was on camera and Joan was standing by the camera giving me the lines in the scene, you know, like, uh, uh, what's your name? Well, I'm Felicia Martins from Philadelphia. Well, at this particular point, I said my line. She looked at me blankly and then said, Line! And everybody just cracked up laughing. And I'm trying to keep a straight face while I'm on camera, as well as trying to do a take in a short period of time. And I think I managed just about, but you know, it was quite an event to work with her because she was so gun ho in doing everything. The last sort of uh, point I'd like to make about ad libs is that sometimes an ad lib can actually bring in an emotion or a feeling that has never been felt or has not been felt by the actor or has not been felt by the writers before in uh, Eye of the Beholder. McLeod was in the quickening. He'd just taken uh, Pitone's head, his friend for many, many years who he'd partied with, who he'd spent much time with, and who'd obviously changed his ways over the years. And I didn't know what was going to happen in that scene. I had no idea what the feeling was going to be afterwards, but I just sort of focused in on what it was I was losing. And then suddenly I found myself on my knees by this post, hitting my head against this post, which said it all without having to have a huge emotion. And uh, it just um, was right for what that feeling was. From that point on, you could, I started finding out what McLeod was about, who he was, as well as being a warrior, as well as defining himself as being the, the writer of all, all evil. He had vulnerable spots where he didn't know quite what he was going to be doing at one moment or another. So what I'm trying to say is that sometimes an emotion or a thought that's ad-libbed can actually create for you a character as you're doing him and you suddenly realize where he is, who he is, and what he wants out of life. Sometimes an ad-lib can have as profound an effect as a written line can, because it comes, as I said, from an emotion. In the final scene of Saving Grace, I needed to say something to Grace that would show to her that what we had in the past, we will have in the future and we will always have. And I was trying to find a line to say to her, to say goodbye. I couldn't just say goodbye to her. And although the line had already been written once, and we'd said it in the past, I thought it was appropriate to say it in the present. Goodbye. You can stick around, the investigation's over. I couldn't. I'm beginning to understand how Zendaro felt. About loving someone he couldn't have. Very sad. May the winds be with you. What I've tried to convey to you on this tape is that Highlander has been, and hopefully will continue to be, a creative endeavor. The ad-libs are part of that process, and I hope you've had as much fun watching them as we did doing them. Until the next time. May the winds be with you.
Hey, Rewatchers, what a blast from the past. That tape was a ton of fun, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcasting app. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. If you want more Highlander content like this delivered right to your phone every single week for free. Thanks again for listening, and we've got more Adrian tapes, more episode recaps, and more of your favorite Highlander content to come. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. See you next week. Bye. Bye.